I'm looking at this graph. You've got three lines. One is Amazon with a huge uptick in Q3. You've got Facebook with a precipitous drop and Google with a lesser drop. That tells you that Amazon is eating market share from Facebook and Google, and there's no end in sight. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. We've been talking about this idea for a podcast episode for a long time. We'll just loosely title it Amazon News. There is so much news that happens every single day on or about Amazon because they're in so many different kinds of businesses and they're such a big worldwide global company. You know, some stories just kind of stick out with us, Shannon, and we, we end up talking about them internally. You know, we got a nice slate of headlines to go over today. So, so Shannon, wh which of the news stories that you've seen over the last week kind of pop out to you? Well, you know, it's interesting because Amazon is sort of like that celebrity and the PR department <laughs> is sort of like that celebrity's PR person hoping they Wait, make does it that in make the us news. paparazzi? <laughs> Hopefully not. They hope they make it in the news, but for good things like not getting arrested, right. you know, after a drunken brawl, after, a, you know, a bad incident after the game. They're hoping it was because <laughs> some fan caught them doing some noble act of uh, of random kindness. But Amazon is in the news for all sorts of things. Even when it's positive, there's oftentimes another angle or another side. It's not to try to ferret out bad things about Amazon or good things. It's just to talk about what's happening with Amazon and how it impacts sellers primarily. And so the first one, uh, Jason, that I want to bring up is it's an article by uh, Ina Steiner uh, of Ecommerce Bytes. And it's about Amazon display business names. Amazon is migrating to a new seller forum. And the seller forums are just places where sellers can go on, ask questions, share information, um, discuss ideas. But Amazon decided to flip a switch and not show what was previously a display name that the business owner or seller could choose, but the business's actual name. And people are going back and fearing that people may retaliate against their actual business online or in real life if they made a comment or said something that they didn't like. I want to start with that one and get your take on that aspect. Shannon, that's a juicy one. And, and you know, this is one I, that, in my opinion, transcends Amazon because there's something about human nature that when you put your real name out there and you own your own identity, you're less likely, frankly, to be an asshole. And, you know, clearly these Amazon sellers who were hiding under a pseudonym or a stage name, if you will, or a display name, once their true identity is shown, they kind of change their, their behavior and behave a little bit better. This discussion is, is much bigger than just this little one, although on Amazon, it's like a sort of microscopic topic. Right. But Elon Musk just bought Twitter. Right. And one of the things he's talking about is how many fake accounts are there? I was listening to a podcast with Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher the other day, and I happen to absolutely agree with Prof G, Scott Galloway, who says, if you want to be on social media, you need to be who you are. Your account name should be your real name. There should be identity verification. And I think that little move alone will clean up a lot of the ills that happen on social media because people don't want to be associated in a negative way with stupid things that they may or may, may not say. They're less likely to do it. And, and here's an example, right? A little microcosm of that, Shannon, where you've got sellers in there who, who are either being rude or angry or whatever because they weren't representing their business. But as soon as the business name gets flipped, well, they're changing their tune. They're going in there and erasing stuff. They brought this up at the Accelerate conference. 
that they wanted to, to launch a new, more effective forum that was less of a, they didn't use this word, my word, less of a cesspool and more about a place to really allow sellers to have a good thriving community and help each other. Right. And it looks like this is the first step. I, I'm glad that they did this. But if Amazon treated sellers like true partners, they would have given these folks a heads up and said, sure, hey, sure, we're sure. going to do this. If you've left a comment on the seller forums, know that your pseudonym is going to be flipped to your actual business name. You want a clean house? Go do it now. We'll give you some time, yeah, yeah. a week, seven days, 10 days, whatever it is. Instead, they just do it and they just don't care. They just don't care, right? They don't think these things through. They're a non-feeling Borg. I have a little bit of a disagreement and pushback on that for, for two sides of it. I think about when Amazon started displaying the business information on the seller profile, which I think was a good move. At the same time, there were sellers who were operating out of their homes. And to be honest and to be fair, you don't want a customer coming after you and knowing where you physically live if they have a problem sure. with your product, right? So there is a, yeah. a little bit of privacy, I think, that's merited. The other part is it's supposed to be a place where you can have conversations and you can ask questions. It's not a place where people are necessarily going in like they would on Facebook or Twitter and just arguing about things. But again, to be honest, if I was a business and maybe a notable business and I had a compliance issue that I was trying to get help on, I wouldn't necessarily want everybody else to know that me as this brand had this compliance issue because that might be a little bit embarrassing. So I am actually in those cases for a little bit of privacy in that because, you know, again, the intent of the, uh, of the platform is to be able to ask questions. And sometimes people feel a little more free to ask questions if they don't think they're going to be embarrassed by that. That would be my pushback against that, that I think that there's some merit to allowing a level of privacy there. The interesting thing about your comment, I love your comments. Do you agree that if people present data as, as a pseudonym and you can't connect with them, that they're more or less likely to say something that they wouldn't if they of knew course. they were? Of course, 100%. Were. 100%. Got it. To, to your point also about the small sellers who are doing business out of their home. Look, I'm coming to you from my home right now, right? We've got an address that doesn't come to my home address. I think in today's world, it's pretty inexpensive to have a UPS store address and an identity and a business name that doesn't connect directly to your home. There's ways to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I would highly recommend that. And if you are a seller on Amazon and you don't have a business entity, I highly yeah. suggest you do that for no other reason than liability protection. Sure. But it's not that hard in today's world, right, Shannon? Yeah. To do that. Now, is your suggestion, instead of showing the business name, are you in favor of keeping those sort of display names, pseudonyms, or are you saying it'd be better if it was just maybe the person's name? So then if you wanted yeah. to connect it to the business, you'd at least have to go to LinkedIn or take the extra step. Yeah, I think people should be able to have a level of privacy. And again, the business information wasn't so much that people shouldn't have a business address. It's that they flipped it on without telling anybody, right? That was the primary issue. Anyways, I think overall, small potatoes, you know, Amazon is making that shift and people are trying to react to it quickly. But yeah. we got a lot, of, a lot of other news articles I want to cover. So let's, let's push on. A great article in GeekWire by Taylor Soper. And it was titled, Amazon in a Slow Growth period. You know, the CFO says it could be in for what could be considered a slow growth period. Amazon missed its third quarter earnings. Shares fell about 20%. But what does that mean for Amazon, a slow growth period? Not, not a loss. We're not losing money. We're not tanking. We're just in a slow growth period. What does that mean to you? I just don't buy it. I mean, I just don't buy it. I think they're missing the point. You know, you know who's got their thumb on the pulse of this in the most accurate way, Shannon, our friend Joe Koskanis 
from Marketplace Pulse. Yeah. He released shortly after the quarterly earnings report, which were lackluster for sure. It was not a classic beat, as they say in Wall Street, where if you outperform the quarterly guidance given from the company, well, then it's, it's called a beat. If it's a miss, then it can really affect your short-term stock price. This is really about short-term thinking, day traders, traders who are trying to make a quick buck. But if yeah. you look at Joe's two other articles, one of them was titled Amazon COVID Bump Fades. And he's got this great graphic and it shows how there's a about a 40 degree angle, upward trajectory all the way back from 2016 to 2022 quarter three, right? But during COVID, there was an even bigger bump. It literally looks like a hunchback on that 40% vertical upward trend. All that what's happening now is the COVID bump is going away and we're going back to that traditional growth line. You know, Joe nailed this. That's exactly what's what's happening. And then yeah. if you look at Shopify, their growth trajectory is even greater, but they had an even greater COVID bump. So I think they're just giving back some of the short-term inflated gains from that COVID period. And what's that period? Right. To 2020 through, you know, say Q1 of this year, 2022. Yeah. And, and that's all that we're really talking about. And the second article that he came out, which was great, is... Yeah, the stock price took a huge hit and I called my broker right away. Go buy Amazon. <laughs> right? um, it's coming back up. It's only going to go back up. It's, it's just going to happen that way. But the other article that Joe did was Amazon ad business growing faster than Google and Facebook. Yeah. And that's the point. Shannon, yeah. I get so frustrated after every quarterly earnings call. And I'm telling you, we're going to do quarterly earnings podcast because I'm so frustrated of going to CNBC or going to one of these news outlets and having them say, well, in Q3, if it wasn't for AWS, Amazon wouldn't have made any money. Right. And it's just not true. If you look at the ad revenue that Amazon generated in one quarter, it was $9.5 billion, sure. one quarter that they generated in ad revenue. The majority of that came from third-party sellers and vendors, right. right? They're the ones driving that ad spend. And they have eaten market share. They've actually grown in the quarter while Facebook and Google have had precipitous drops. Yeah. So what does that tell you? I'm looking at this graph. You've got three lines. One is Amazon with a huge uptick in Q3. You've got Facebook with a precipitous drop and Google with a lesser drop. That tells you that Amazon is eating market share from Facebook and Google, and there's no end in sight. I was on Fox Business News on the television program, and I was paired with an analyst after a quarterly earnings. You know, they haven't invited me back. The analyst was giving me stink eye as I was telling him that more profit dollars drive to Amazon's bottom line from third-party sellers via seller fees, ad revenue, and FBA fees than AWS. And the analyst gave me stink eye, but I got news for you, Shannon. The analyst doesn't know Amazon like you or I do. He doesn't understand how much money is going into Amazon's coffers from third-party sellers. So it just makes me crazy. It's one of those things. My blood pressure rises every time I read these articles. <laughs> I'll send you some chamomile tea after this episode. Call Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of finances and money, Amazon also just launched a new merchant cash advance program provided by Paraffin. Now, there have been other third-party programs 
like payability we, we, we discussed before the show. Um, and they said doubling down on its support for small and medium-sized businesses. And I'll just read this from the start of the press release. It says this secure financing option ties payment on the cash advance to a portion of sellers' future sales for a fixed capital fee and provides, provides eligible Amazon sellers with easy and quick access to capital when they need it paired with flexible payment plan. So that's from Amazon's press release uh, department. But what are your initial thoughts and comments about this? Is it a good move to help small businesses or sort of an Amazon play of Amazon is finding one more way to make money off of the sellers that they already make money off of and just using financing? That's what I think about this, right? It's total bullshit. Thank you, Jason. You know, I mean, come on. The cash reserves program that Amazon implemented, I guess, two years ago now, has been a travesty. It's been great for Amazon CFO's cash flow, but it's been terrible for third-party sellers' cash flow. Are you kidding me, Amazon? You're going to charge folks to give them their money sooner? I have a better idea, Shannon. Just give them their fucking money sooner. Just do that and don't mm. charge them anything. I mean, come on. This is so frustrating. Many times now, sellers have to wait 30, 40 days they got to wait a certain number of days for them to release their funds out of reserve after the expected delivery date. And right. then once the funds are released, then you got to wait potentially two weeks. And it could be longer depending on where that, that release date happened. Back, back in my day, we used to get paid so fast. We got paid every week and it was released immediately. And so I would, I would much prefer Amazon shut this dumb program down and go back to, to shortening the payment terms essentially for third-party sellers so that they could take that money and go buy more new product to continue to wow Amazon shoppers. That's my take. Okay. So Jason, what you're saying is Amazon takes money that you have earned as a seller and <laughs> that is due to you, but is yeah. held in reserve. So it's, yeah. it's two weeks to, to pay, but also money is reserved for your following payment. Yeah. And what they're offering to do is loan you money in the meantime, at with usury a, rates with with a fee oh, until yeah. they pay you back with your own money. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. screw, that's that's not cool, Amazon. <laughs> Stop it. Stop this. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Really, give them their money and don't charge them for it. How about that? Yeah, I mean, Amazon did release that accelerate. They, hey, there's a way to get your money within, I think, 24 hours. You know, one day, but it doesn't include the reserve. It doesn't include these holdover no. periods. So if Amazon is really concerned about that money, why would they loan you money that they may not get? Anyways, okay. Our last episode, we talked about Amazon product reviews. And we talked about yeah. sort of this issue of review manipulation, fake reviews. Really fascinating article that came out yesterday on Wired. Inside yeah. the underground market for fake Amazon reviews. This one was by Simon Hill. And what he was talking about was this idea that Facebook and social media users were getting targeted with ads that promised them things like get a 100% rebate. And once he clicked on this ad, he found like, okay, you go on Amazon, you buy a product, you, you, know, you come back to them, you provide proof of that, you give your product review, and then they give you a full refund. He was bombarded with more targeting from Facebook to basically buy more products and perpetuate review manipulation. So Again, I don't think it's new, but I think the scale that this is happening is a little scary and yeah. crazy. And the fact that they're leveraging technology like Facebook that is supposed to prevent these types of things 
it's scary how fast it can happen and, and at the scale that I think it's happening more than anything else. Yeah. And then, look, this is another example too, where Facebook social media algorithms are ruining our country and our globe, frankly, right? You, you, you got someone, you get served this ad, you do it because, you know, let's say you're a college kid, you're grown up, you're, in a, you're a grown adult and you're like, sure, I'll take a free coffee maker or I'll get a free toaster. I'm happy to leave a good review for that. You know, they don't, what they don't realize is that practice is illegal. And then if you do it once, the algorithm just keeps serving you again and again and again. And these fake reviews are prolific now. You know, back in the day, it was a lot easier to catch them, but you got these fake review farms in Bangladesh. You got them in China. You got them in, um, in, in Pakistan and India and they've run amok and it's becoming harder and harder for technology and for the likes of Amazon to detect them. There used to be these sort of AI bots that would spit these, you know, algorithmic reviews out and they didn't make any sense. Back in the day, I remember reporting those to Amazon saying, you know, either this person doesn't know English in the U.S. market or it's a bot and they would take them down. But now it's really hard to tell if yeah. it was auto-generated. The yeah. worst side of this too, Shannon, is not only will a bad actor pay and sometimes it's $5 a review and you have to give away the product. You know, we get calls and get pitched this stuff all the time. And I just, yeah. I report them to the FTC whenever they call us. But they also will go into your competitor and leave a one-star review that's inaccurate and just wrong. It's a big problem. And I don't know what the, the final solution is, but yeah. we talked about in our previous episodes, it seems to me, you know, Occam's razor, the sometimes the simplest solution is the best one, yeah. is... Just look at the number of orders compared to the number of reviews. If the number of reviews are 10% more or more than 10% of the order, something fishy is going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's a safe number, right? It's likely if there's, if 5% of the orders have a review, that's probably some monkey business going on there as well. But I, I don't know. I think people try to overthink this. We're going to have to get Saud, the founder of FakeSpot on as a podcast guest at some point here in the near future, because I think no one's snapped in as well as he is, Shannon. Well, and the review manipulation has gone to a whole other level. And I was sharing with some of the Amazon employees that Accelerate. I said, in the old days, people would do just, just that. You have a competitor that you don't like, you're trying to sink. You'd hire a bunch of people to go leave them negative reviews. Now it's gotten so sophisticated. Instead, what you do is you hire a bunch of people to go leave them positive reviews. And it looks like they're doing review manipulation and Amazon takes them down for getting too many positive right. reviews. That's it. And That's they, right. Jason, they were totally bewildered. They were completely surprised and caught off guard that that was even being done. It was like it, there was, it wasn't even on the on their radar at all. But both of those, I think, can be solved by simply looking at what is the average number of reviews a product gets in a category. And when that gets yeah. out of whack, you open an investigation and you shut it down. I really think it's not more much more complicated than that. So I think that we are reaching a point as more and more stories come out about fake reviews and how U.S. consumers or global consumers cannot trust the reviews that they are reading about a product. I want to just go back to some of our earliest podcast episodes and say branding is everything. Yeah. Build your social presence. Build your brand, right? Build that trust with your consumers. Wow your consumers. Because if you're just an Amazon-only seller and they can't find you anywhere else and can't get the warm fuzzy about who you are and who your brand is, they're not going to trust your reviews. Yeah, And so I think, again, all roads lead back to branding as sort of an immovable moat around your business as a protection layer for our seller audience.
Yeah, no, it's a really good point. We've talked about that from day one. So um, here on the day two podcast, uh, last article, Jason, I want to touch on again, this one's on e-commerce bites uh, written by Ina Steiner. Amazon said holiday restock limits affect only 6% of US sellers. Now, what's really interesting <laughs> is about a week Six. and a half ago, about a week and a half ago, I was on an Amazon brand consultants call that I do monthly. And everybody was talking about this. People are like, have you seen drops across the board? Yes, everybody's seen this. Our account manager yeah. coming back going, what in the world is going on? We, yeah. we were about to ship more product to Amazon and Amazon just reduced our FBA inventory limits to less than what we already have in inventory at FBA. Was that, was that a big holiday seller too? I mean, it was just everything. Everything yeah, got capped and, and shut down across the board. I expect that Amazon is going to open it up. That's typically what they do. They want to shut everything down and then open it up to what they believe or perceive will be the best sellers at the you know the second part of Q4. But it says, we expect about 6% of sellers in the US to be restricted from creating shipments for standard and apparel products, right? So our records show that these sellers have already shipped over three months of inventory, accounting for seasonality and scheduled deals. Uh, and we know that's not true because it's not even going to maintain our basic monthly sales velocity pre-Q4. Any thoughts on that? Let's just say that there's 2 million global sellers. And I just got out my fat finger calculator, Shannon, and, and did the numbers. 6% of 2 million is 120,000 sellers. I think we collectively know 120,000 sellers yeah. already that have had this problem, right? It just irks the hell out of me that they're doing this before the big season, the holiday season, which is quickly approaching. How can you go back pre-holiday season and reduce stock levels to below the non-seasonal numbers and expect to have a good fourth quarter in sales revenue? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's almost like going back to that Q3 call. It's like almost like they want to lower the revenue numbers for Q4. This will have downward pressure on Q4 sales revenue GMV level for Amazon. It doesn't make any sense. And there's a bunch of things that Amazon does before holiday season every year. And remember in my previous slice, I was a big holiday seller. About 40% yeah. of our revenue came from November and December. And what does Amazon do every year before the holiday, which is the busiest, biggest retail season in the year? They launch a bunch of new stuff. They restrict a lot of stuff. They take down listings at will mm -hmm. without prior yeah. notice after sellers have spent and sometimes their, their entire cash reserves and maxed out their credit limits, borrowing money to stock inventory for the fourth quarter. And then they take down their listings. They push through these crazy bots. They introduce new initiatives that are not vetted yet or broken. And now they limit the amount of inventory that you can send into FBA. That's just not how you treat partners. And, you know, we came from Accelerate. We left Excited. They were yeah. using that partner name again. And this is not how you treat your partners. Your partners, you give them a heads up. Test the new stuff in Q1, yeah. please. Amazon, move it. Move it to Q1. Don't rock the boat leading into the biggest sales season of the year. Stop doing this to sellers. It's a bad practice. It's never worked. And it can put people out of business. Well, in the tweet that's referenced in the article, he said, basically, sellers want communication about inventory storage limits. You know, Many sellers are yeah. looking forward to a big Q4 and Amazon is once again losing any trust they built with sellers. And the two things that are interesting that people mentioned, number one, 
They're like, we're going to be putting a lot more in Walmart where we're getting fee discounts, storage discounts, and a free rep. And yeah. the other thing that's sort of alluded to, and again, we won't get into details, but they're saying, look, there's black hat ways that sellers try to get around these things. And so the only people that are hurt are honest sellers who are trying to you know, play by the rules and, and play above the board. So I don't even know what those are, thankfully, but I think it's, an, it's a matter of communication. It's just like the very first article we talked about is, if you're going to make a significant, substantial shift, you've got to communicate to people a little before the day it happens. You know, it's like, hey, by the way, we rolled out this new policy, this new plan, and it came into effect today. And, and I think that's the greater frustration and challenge. It's like going on vacation and arriving at the hotel and saying, sorry, we're closed for construction. It's like, what? No heads up. So I think that the communication piece really is the most important part. What communication? There's none. Right? Well, it's There's like, really none. It's like as Homer Simpson says, the problem with marriage today is communication. Too much communication. So anyways, uh, Jason, we'll end on that. Any last thoughts as we wrap up this week's Amazon news updates? No, look, I just appreciate, Shannon, that uh, we were able to vent some of our frustrations. It's not good for me to hold these in as I read these articles <laughs> week in and week out. And so we'll see how our, our, our listeners and our viewers respond to this. It's something that we can continue and try to drop... Uh, sort of a news update, maybe once a month or at least every other month uh, with the top stories. There's so much news. The hard part is picking the good stuff. I, Shannon, yeah. I think you did a great job uh, on this episode, picking the, the most relevant stories. The last thing I'll say here, Shannon, is if you're ready to start growing and protecting your brand on Amazon with a team of experienced Amazon operators, you can visit us at day2podcast.com. That's day, the number two, podcast.com, where you can download the Amazon seller checklist with 150 plus must-do items to ensure you succeed on Amazon. And you can also book a discovery call with our agency to help you grow your brand and survive and thrive on this Amazon platform. Lastly, if you know anyone else who would gain value from this podcast, please share it with them. Let them know we're having a good time talking about all things Amazon. And first and foremost, we have got your back, Amazon sellers. Thanks for listening. Happy selling.